unidentifiable flying object. UFO continues to be a mystery. Wasn't alone in space. Sightings of UFOs. Something out there. Close enough to be observed. What could it be? It can only be anything. A UFO. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of UFO No, your break from the propaganda, which is running rampant. The bad news, the political nonsense, have some fun talking about great topics like Alien Alley. And guess what? Ed's with me again. What's going on, Ed? What's up, people? Uh, Not much. How's it going? (laughs) Good, man. Glad to have you back on the show again. Of course. Of course. I, uh... As... yeah, I had my uh, had my kids, so uh, getting getting the swing of that back in into state. So uh, yeah, I had to had to leave you for a week, but uh, it's all right. I'm back. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, the way we planned it out, the way the people heard it, man, you never even took a break. Oh, damn! It was amazing. Well, shit. It was amazing. I Flawless. Should, I shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> we, it, no, you're good because we just doubled up on episodes, so it's fantastic. Fuck yeah. Yeah, man. Well, thank you all for joining the show. Uh, we're in the stratosphere, cruising a little over 71,000 feet, and it is clear skies, baby, and as getting, Ed said, right? And getting higher, right. baby. <laughs> That's right, getting higher. Uh, if you like the show, be sure to share this episode. Give a nice review. If you're on YouTube or Rumble, hit that subscribe button. really helps out a lot. Don't forget, you can donate at patreon.com slash podcast where you get no ads all my loyalty, and going to be adding a bunch of new stuff very, very soon. Patreon fans, thanks for bearing with me, sticking with me. We're going to be adding some new stuff. I promise it's going to be great. Um, Also, you can go and check out the link below in the show notes. That will take you to where you can get sweet merch and a bunch of other stuff. And uh, just click that that link in the show notes. That's all you got to do. Love each and every one of you. Uh, let's get into this. So we're going to be talking about Alien Alley. <clears throat> if you're not familiar, pardon me, I got a frog in my throat. Uh, if you're not familiar, Alien Alley is in Chile, and it is actually in the same area as the, um, I think it's called the Nazda Lines, and it's these big formations like uh, yeah. like outline drawings yeah. that can be seen, yeah, from the air, but down on the ground, you can barely even tell there's anything there. Uh, they're that big. Uh, one of them, I believe, is over 800 feet long. That's crazy. That's- crazy. And, you know, there's all this debate as to whether it was designed to be seen from in the air or not. And I'm like, well, duh, no shit. It was meant to be seen from the air because you can't even tell it's there when you're on the ground. I mean, I haven't been there. But that's what the general consensus is, is that if you're on the ground, it doesn't look like much. It just kind of looks like a big row of of rocks. But when you get in the air, it's these weird designs and multi, it's kind of crazy stuff. Is it just rocks Uh, or is is there something underneath there maybe? I don't believe there's anything underneath. I believe it was just formations with big rocks and things like that. Um Honestly, I don't know a ton about those. The that's that's really attached to the ancient alien thing. I mean, it is breathtaking, and it is. I mean, of all the things that are pointed out in the whole ancient 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 alien theory stuff, um, 
the the lines that are there in Chile are uh, incredible. So you should go check them out. Oh, and I'll include uh, uh, links in the show notes to take you to these things if you want to check them out. So if you're already listening to the episode, you can click it right now and you go check them out while you're listening. But um, so the whole idea with Chile and this alien alley is it's uh, a long strip down the western coast of Chile and it's got sightings that go back thousands of years into the legends, the myths, creation stories. But the interesting thing about this area is that it's mostly uninhabited with miles and miles of just desert, some valleys, a little bit of woodland, but a lot of cave systems. And apparently it is full of rare materials. And that's the big debate is, is it, I, I, well, to me, it's a big debate is, is it really aliens or is it our own advanced technology from governments going in and collecting these materials? And because it's so far advanced technology that they're using, are people mistaking these things for aliens? Of course, which seems to be a common thing. You know, I mean, that's the big, that's the big thing. Is it, is it us or is it them? Right. And, uh, either way. There are something is going in there. Something has been seen in there by a lot of different people, multiple accounts of this. We're going to go over a few. And um, they are indeed seem to be collecting these rare materials. Again, I think there's there's reason to believe that governments are going in there. Uh, but I think uh, a lot of people do believe that these are aliens that are going in and collecting this. Um, it's a lot of copper, a lot of gold. Things like that. So it's um, uh, lithium, I believe, is another one. All and useful. So, all very useful. <laughs> all very useful in specifically in space travel. So that's where it really comes into play is, you know, is it aliens or is it our advanced technology? So the question I have is if it is an advanced civilization, alien civilization, as I ask a lot, why are they coming to Earth? You know, what is it about Earth? Is is Earth material so rare in the whole universe that it's it, they got to come here? I mean, if they don't have that stuff where they are, maybe. Well, I, I don't know. How, how common is gold throughout the universe? Right. How common is copper around the universe? How, right. how common is lithium? Is that a Earth... Uh, you know, is that an earth origin originating material or, you know, what's the deal? So, uh, the best place, the most popular place that has come, uh, or, or I guess, uh, accounts that have come out from Chile have been recently from a former high ranking member of the military, Chile military about encounters with what he thought were UFOs. So in an interview, by this journalist guy, Alejandro Guerrero, Guerrero, something like that. I butcher names. That's like my MO. Um, in August of 2003, former general in the Chilean Air Force, Hernan Gabrieli Rojas, claimed that he had an encounter in 1978. So the story goes that he was returning to base in Antofagasta in his F-5 jet with another plane around noon. When they were a short distance away from the base, a line appeared on their radar screen that went from one side 
to the other. So if you're not familiar with radar screens, it usually shows something pretty big as a small line. Well, this line went straight from one side to the other. Okay. Um, so Rojas explained that a battle cruiser, which are over about 800 feet long, is usually a line about a centimeter. So whatever, you know, so that gives you a little bit of scale as to how big this was, supposedly. Okay. Uh, but this line was 10 times that size. So refusing to accept that the radar had actually picked up something so big, he believed it was malfunctioning. So he requested the other pilot, uh, Danilo Catalan, uh, check his radar, uh, radar readings as well. And they were exactly the same. So, still refusing to believe it was a huge craft, he got in contact with the ground control at Cerro Moreno Airport in Antofagasta, but they were also exactly the same. So, um, then the pilots, both of them, spotted a deformed cigar-shaped object to the east, covered in smoke, moving in the same direction as they were, about 15 to 20 miles away. And with extreme caution, they headed toward the craft from an attack position. Uh, but what was interesting is that n none of the planes had missiles or guns. They just had cameras. So the way I thought is, why would you, like, even if you wanted to just approach and you wanted to kind of like, be intimidating, I guess. Why would you do that if you had no way of actually attacking? You know, yeah, like, why would you put yourself in that position to potentially them going on the defense, seeing that you're in an attack position? Anyways, I, I don't understand why you would do that. That's a very cocky move, in my opinion. Yeah, that doesn't really make sense. So anyways, they from an attack position, they, they get uh, closer to this thing. But before they could reach the craft, it headed off into the distance, disappearing within seconds um, in the direction of Easter Island. And Rojas claimed it moved at unimaginable speed, but it must have been at thousands of nautical miles a minute. I mean, I don't know. I, again, I, I don't know anything about, like, air acceleration or anything like that. I'm just a dipshit. But so to me, how, how, I don't know how you could possibly gauge that. What's what's a nautical mile? Well, I believe it's just, um, you know, like when we say... I, uh, I know, I know we know, mean it for, like, sea and air, but, like, what like, what's the measurement? Like, what compared to, like, a regular mile... I, I really don't know. I don't know what a nautical mile versus a a land mile. I don't know what that means. Nautical mile. And land mile. Oh, well. Let's see what it says. A uh, nautical mile is slightly longer than a land mile. Okay. Equaling 1.15 land measured mile so it's a little over okay 0.15 over so not much so why even make a difference right no you know what i mean like what's the point then you just always having to convert you know what i mean yeah 
I know. I, that I don't get. I don't understand. Why do we got to make things so confusing? Anyways. Because we're um, So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so, thousands of nautical miles a minute. But again, I'm always skeptical of those. Even, even people that are... I mean, I guess if you've spent a long time doing the math on what, what, you know, airspeed looks like and all those types of things, you, you would probably have a much better idea. But for my dumb brain, it's hard for me to comprehend somebody being able to know what a thousandth nautical miles a minute looks like. Right. To me, it's just somebody throwing out a number. Like that's what it sounds like to me is somebody just throwing out a number, but, but maybe it's not anyways. Uh, so um, as soon as it did, as soon as this thing took off in the other direction, the lines on the radar screens uh, disappeared. Now, in that same interview, along with that incident that he just talked about, Roas mentioned another sighting of a different pilot near Kalama around the same time. He said that in that case, the pilot found himself directly underneath a triangular-shaped object which appeared to be descending, so much so that they couldn't keep track of it. Now, the whole triangle craft thing, I think that's 100% government. Yeah. Only because we know that they've been doing things like that for a long time, triangle-shaped craft and whatnot. Right, yeah, just like we talked about in uh, uh, the ones over California. We were talking about that. Exactly, yep, exactly. So... Uh, he stated that, uh, a short time after that, after the pilot had left the area, two F5 jets were sent on an intercept mission to that, to get that triangular craft. So same as the previous pilot, they found themselves directly underneath the same triangular shaped object. This time they climbed to 50,000 feet. As, fi- as high as they could go, but the object continued to go up and out of range. And after he told these stories, uh, Roas was asked why the Chilean Air Force was so tight-lipped on the subject of UFOs over the years, despite the fact that the UFOs had been discussed openly in Parliament and Congress. And he said it wasn't so much an unwillingness to talk about the subject, but more of a lack of what he said was tangible evidence. He said the reports are not dismissed by superiors. They're just logged and then forgotten about. So isn't that kind of the same thing as being dismissed? Pretty much. Except you're you're telling the person like, yeah, we're going to get on it. So I'm going to fill this out, but then I'm just going to throw it out, you know? So it's one thing for that you to tell somebody like, no, I'm not even going to pursue this, but then you're making it out like you're going to pursue it. And then you never do. Right. Right. Yeah. That's kind of, kind of, so it's shady. to me, it's, it's, it doesn't mean that doesn't mean it's better, you know, like he's making, Oh, it's not an unwillingness to discuss it. We just completely ignore it. If anything, it's more, <laughs> you know, it's like, almost worse. Yeah, completely. Because you're acknowledging it's there, but then you're you're also like, yeah, but we have zero interest in pursuing this for whatever reason. So that was in 1978. But uh, between then and now, and of course before all that, there was plenty of sightings. One of the uh, one of these sightings happened in June 1996, June 27th at around 8 p.m. Um, 47-year-old electrician Gabriel Encina 
was traveling between Las Salsas and Angle when he noticed a strange light moving through the sky, but he was sure it wasn't an airplane or a flying saucer. It was simply a very bright light that landed on top of his car. He said the light was so bright that it lit up the interior completely, and when he pressed down on the accelerator, the car slowed down, and then he blacked out. When he came to, his car was stopped just short of 10 miles from where he was when he had seen the light. The clock on the dashboard showed 9 p.m., but his wristwatch had stopped at just after 8 p.m., and his head hurt. And he was certain that he had been abducted. Uh, Now, I don't think that automatically means you've been abducted. No. I think plenty of really bright light, uh, really bright lights can certainly make your head hurt. Um, I mean, the missing time, I mean, you're that, that could be, it could also I mean, that be, is a, it could also, yeah. it could also be a medical thing. Like if you had a stroke and didn't know it or like, like, uh, something along those lines. The hard part about it is the the time the time differences in the clocks. Yeah. You know, so that that right there, but I will say when you have magnetic interference who knows, you know, it's not necessarily time that's changing. You could have some kind of action inside the watch or the clock that uh that does some screwy and uh and makes it I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm just uh trying to poke holes in it, you know, but to me to jump to being abducted by aliens, it just is a little, is a little far fetched just because of that. And that's usually what leads people to go get hypnotically regressed. And then they come up with this entire huge scenario where they were impregnated, taken to another planet, spent 20 years, you know, come back when really it could have been just that. Yeah. It could have just been a simple electrical malfunction in the clock on the car that made it look like it was 10, 10 hours or uh, whatever, you know, two hours ahead. Right. But, um, or he could have been abducted. It could have been aliens. So a, a little over a year later after that, between the towns of Las Casas and Purin in July 97, someone else claimed to get abducted. Hector Avocado, no, it's Acevedo, um, was driving his truck early one morning, traveling to Las Casas when he saw a strange circular, circular glowing object at an extremely low altitude around 150 feet away. Then it moved quickly over the top of his truck and a large beam of light came from it, lighting the interior up completely. Within seconds, the engine died and the vehicle came to a stop. EMP, baby. The light stayed in sight for around 10 minutes. Hector claimed he could see clearly a, a reddish-violet hue around it. And just like the previous sighting, the next thing he knew, he was approaching Los Salsas, and the clock showed 11 p.m., almost three hours later. So, in alien abductions, missing time is really, really common. Yes. I just... I feel like there is an easier explanation for missing time because all we're all we're referencing when we see re- missing time is two clocks that are different. Yeah, that's true. That's it. That's it. It doesn't mean like let's say 
a guy was able to read the pinpoint of the sun and was like, holy shit, the sun is two hours in a different position than I was earlier. I don't know where I've been. That's one thing. Yeah. But when we're looking at two clocks and there could have been some kind of EMP utilized that could, let's say, make the hands of a clock go spinny. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I, I could agree with I that. Just, I could get behind that. I'm, yeah, I just am reluctant to automatically go alien abduction when there's 10 minutes. Yeah. Well, I mean. But that's, again, that's what leads people to go get a hypnotically regressed from somebody who loves coming up with abduction scenarios. Yeah. Which discredits the, the ones that could actually be real. Yeah. Yeah, because there's no way you're going to prove a hypnotic regression session, in my opinion. How are you going to prove that? Right, right. It's you know, like, there's it's no, like that it's, a medium. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. And I'm not trying to discredit. I just think, you know, as far as, you know, if we're coming up with tangible evidence, like the one guy said, there's no tangible evidence. Well, if we're looking at tangible evidence, then missing time is simply that. It's missing time, and it doesn't mean anything. It just means missing time. What happened in that time is anybody's guess. And once again, it could have been a a symptom of an EMP that makes a a clock go screwy and and go back 10 minutes or whatever. In this case, three hours. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, I, I can see that. Yeah, so... Um, then September, 2002, September 18th in angle, a local resident and a businessman saw a red colored object overhead that fired a blue beam of light story goes as they looked, uh, uh, as they looked, another object appeared, then another one, each of them firing identical blue beams. Then each of the objects suddenly turned off, leaving only the original object visible. On the same night in the same place, two security guards at a local radio station also saw a red spherical object moving in the night sky. Two months later, at around 3 a.m. on November 20th, 2002, again in Angle, a local resident along with two friends were having dinner at the Alberto Lara Gubel Morales Sports Facility when they saw a large luminous orange object in the sky. Two security guards on duty at the facility also saw it. They said the object had a strange ruby hue around it, and it was about 5,000 feet up. Hold up. Ruby hue. 5,000 feet. That's a lot. Right? I mean, yeah. I mean, doesn't that seem like really high up? How do you, I mean, look, here's what I'm getting at. I see stars all the time that look like they're flickering. You know, I see all kinds of things in the sky that look like not your average star. But it, I don't automatically go, look, UFO, you know, and 5,000 feet. How do you have any scale of size? Yeah, we've talked about that before, too. Yeah, I mean, it's just that seems so far away. Like, even if I'm even if I'm on the ground and I'm looking straight ahead, five thousand feet, that's a lot. Yeah, 
you know? So now we're, and now we're looking in the sky. Chances are, what was it? Uh, 3 a.m. So it's at night. You know, I mean, man, I don't know, man. Anyways, I'm very skeptical of these things, as you can tell. Well, I always try and think of like paranormal or like aliens. Like that's like the last thing I try and yeah. prove. You know what I mean? I'll try and disprove everything else before I try and yeah. prove that. You know what I mean? <clears throat> well, and it's it's you know we're limited by what do we know, right? You know, like you, you and me, what do we know about aerial phenomena? Not much. What do we know about weather phenomena? Not much. Yep. So, and, and so what does this guy know? You know, what is What does this guy know about, you know, giant, uh, big luminous objects in the sky? I, you know, and, and especially nowadays, like, I wonder how many people are seeing uh, Elon Musk's, uh, I, I don't remember what he calls it, but it's like a caravan. Starlink. Of, yeah. Caravan of satellites. Yeah. Like, I wonder how yeah, many people are seeing that and thinking, oh, dude, look at that. Like, I, I did that at the concert. Uh, and a, a few other people were, too, in the crowd. They We were, we were towards yep. the back, and other people were looking at it. Whoa, what's that? And uh, coming to find out, I don't know if it was I found out from you or somebody, but they said that, uh, yeah, they, it might have been Elon Musk's Starlink. Well, it's a straight line of eight to nine dots. Right. Uh, anywhere from seven to nine, you know, dots in a single line that are going in a single, you know, traveling in a single line. And, you know, that's what, and w- when it first came out, when he first, you know, started launching, I mean, there was a ton of people that were seeing it that had never seen, because, you you know, people were used to seeing satellites as in one. Right. You know, going, but never a line of satellites. And so that was a new one. Um, and yeah, so I think people still, as you, as you saw, you know, people still are unfamiliar with it. So when they see it, it's, it looks odd because it is, we've never seen them in clusters like that. Right. Yeah. Um, well, they watched this for almost 90 minutes and it was moving slightly at times, but staying still other times. Eventually, it changed direction and disappeared into the distance. Uh, and again, to me, that's that one it doesn't really point to anything. I mean, that could be a number of things. Right. But 90 minutes, that's quite a, that's quite a, a while long, to be watching it. Yeah, right. That's a long time to be watching that. Yeah. But 5,000 feet, man. Jesus, that's so high, so high up. You know, that's high, man. That's really high. Yeah. Um, so then on December 10th, 2008, local resident captured several minutes of footage in Santiago of a huge mothership type vehicle with several lights on its underside described by witnesses as disc shaped. So many people saw it, in fact, that the Chilean Air Force issued a statement saying that the UFO was an Air Force training exercise. Uh, The people who saw the UFO for themselves found that very hard to believe. So, yeah, I mean, of course they're going to say it's a training exercise. But the fact that they didn't say it was a balloon or something, that's that's good news. (laughs) Yeah. It's always a balloon. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah. Always, always. 
Uh, then on May 3rd, 2014, in Valparaiso, a local person had pulled their car over and were taking pictures of the mountains in the late afternoon. When they looked at their pictures later, they realized they had captured an oval-shaped object. The craft appeared to be glowing, but they admitted that it could have been the reflection of the sun. Um, then, just before 8 p.m., May 4th, 2007... Uh, on the shores of San Antonio, local residents noticed a strange object moving across the sky, occasionally flashing a bright light and changed several colors and moved in a way that made witnesses believe it wasn't a conventional aircraft or satellite. Um, it eventually came to a stop, hovered over a forest area of the town close to El Caneo beach after several moments with more and more witnesses coming out onto the roads and streets to see what it was reports were made to local police who would send a patrol unit to investigate one witness 20 year old natalie aranda witnessed the object with her nine-year-old brother matias she said that the objects were uh like a star they looked like a star but it would disappear and reappear somewhere different in the sky moving in an erratic but controlled way that's cool I don't know what erratic but controlled looks like. Right, that that's kind of an oxymoron. <laughs> yeah. That's the funny thing is like again, you know, people attributing something intelligent to what they don't know. Right. Yeah. You know, like that because it looks different, but it looks like it's on purpose, it must be intelligently controlled, but you know, I mean, we're in a new day and age where AI, I mean, you can have something AI that just can do all kinds of crazy things. Yeah, whatever you want to program it to do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they watched it for around an hour, then the object headed in the direction of the beach. Another witness, Sergeant Nelson Velasquez, uh, Velasquez, I'm sure that's what it is, that's received several ding, ding, reports ding. of the object <laughs> <laughs> before eventually seeing the object for himself and described it as a luminous ball that flew in every direction. Um, then November 5th, 2010, over Santiago Air Force Base, numerous space personnel captured video footage and pictures of a solid vehicle moving across the sky above the base performing loops dangerously close to F-5 and F-16 jets. They determined that it must have been traveling at speeds from four to 6,000 miles per hour, and it was not visible to anyone on the ground or the pilots in the air. In the pictures, so it was only visible in videos and pictures. Um, in the pictures, the craft had a flat underside and a dome top that looked like it was reflecting the sunlight. There also appeared to be no visible means of propulsion, nor any vapor or signs of an exhaust. When they put the video through infrared, it looked like the object was radiating heat, but no one heard a sonic boom or any shockwaves. They took this to mean it must have been under the control of intelligence, given how it zoomed toward the jets before changing direction with precision. I have a hard time now, believing that yeah. video could pick it up because what a typical you're typically recording it like what, 60 or 90 frames per second, something like that? Yep. And, uh, and it's 2010. Let's keep that in mind. Yeah, like I'm having a hard time believing. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like that'd be going too fast for even the camera to pick up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, as you said, you know, our eyes can, you know, it's not 
a, a, a shutter rate or whatever it is. It's uh, it's steady. So as you said, you know, how can the video pick it up when we couldn't? I right. think their main thing was maybe they were able to isolate it and slow it down, look at it that way, maybe. Maybe like but a if, frame caught it and that's about it. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. The other thing I want to bring up is, you know, you blew my mind in one of the episodes we did where we had brought up drones. Right. And you had mentioned, well, what about drones back in the 1950s? And I was unsure as to, you know, how back, how far back drones went. Well, come to find out, it went back to the, like the 1800s. Yeah, that blew and, my mind. Yeah. And then come to find out the U.S. was full on using drones in 1935. So now let's go to these sightings, which are are from, you know, 1978 and 2010 and 2018. So I don't know if you're aware of where we're at with drone technology now. But it is astounding. Yeah. So. Yeah. The, yeah. I know. I, I forgot how much, uh, how fast you were telling me they go, like the fastest one. Dude. Goes. So, oh, no, I, I was wrong. So I was saying 300 miles per hour. Mm-hmm. Now, that is that is commercial, like what me and you could go buy with a few thousand dollars. Right. Okay. Now let's talk about military. All right. So this whole idea that, you know, it had to, you know, it's supersonic, hypersonic. They are, they are there with drones. So there are a couple articles. Okay. Here's the headline for one. And mind you, this is back in 2021. So last year, mother of all drones, us prepares to test hypersonic drone that can fly five times the speed of sound. That's fucking crazy. That's nuts. All right. So that's, that's, uh, so it goes on to say the U.S. Air Force has announced it is going to conduct the flight testing of a one of a kind hypersonic drone as part of a contract with the Atlanta based startup Hermius Hypersonic. It's successful. If successful, the test would pave the way for the development of a hypersonic passenger plane, which would cut down the travel time from Paris to New York to only 90 minutes from the seven and a half hours it takes now. That's crazy. All right, so if they're talking about passenger hypersonic planes, dude, they are doing this. Like, you know they've got this shit already. Yeah, yeah, that's scary. Yeah, so then in China, China hypersonic drone program confirmed by military researchers. That's in September 2021. So this idea that that they must be alien controlled. They must be the aliens inside, you know, this, you know, passengers and pilots. We could easily be into hypersonic drones that look nothing like conventional, what we think they do. Not even close. So when they pick something up on video, that's four to five, four to 6,000 miles per hour, dude, that could be us. Yeah, I, I, yeah, very high, highly likely. Highly likely, likely. And then you have an area in Chile where it is virtually uninhabited, 
and you've got a lot of rare materials and nobody nobody wants to take like you know the US doesn't want to claim that they're taking resources from there I'm sure a lot of countries don't want to necessarily claim they're taking resources. Well, let's just fly an alien craft, quote unquote, into there and drop some stuff off. Nobody's going to stop them. Perfect fall guy. Yeah, that's fucking crazy, man. Yeah. So that's where we're at with our technology. So so let's go and look at... Um, some of the legends from the Atacama Desert, some of the most interesting. And uh, if you've never looked at it, some of these areas, um, uh, you can Google it. It's the uh, Atacama Desert and the Nazca Lines in Peru um, are some of the craziest ones. But anyways, this area, Atacama Desert. And I was wrong about the Nazca lines are not in Chile. They are in Peru, but they're oh. very similar is what I was what I was trying to get at. So anyways, the Atacama Desert is actually home of um, so more of these geoglyphs, these giant geoglyphs. In fact, five times as many as the ones that are in Peru. But one of these in Atacama is known as the Atacama Giant which is an alien-looking character that's almost 400 feet in length. And, of course, as you know, you know, once again, they're, they're almost indistinguishable on the ground, you know, from the rest of the landscape until you get in the air. That's There's crazy. also... And they're, they're made yeah. so precise, too. That so precise, It's like yeah. crazy. Yep. And some of them, I mean, they're really, some of these are, are pretty, pretty interesting, you know, which, you know, some of them would argue look like ships, all kinds of things. So, um, so there's another area known as El Enlidrilado. <laughs> uh, hold on. Very let me nice. try that again. Nice. Enlidrilado, uh, which is a huge formation of stone slabs weighing in excess of 10 tons each dating back thousands of years. So if you look at the at, at the uh, pictures of these, it is, which I'll, I'll, um, I'll try and remember to put some in the show notes. But um, if you look at these, it's like these giant stone slabs that are set in the ground, like almost like stepping stones, but they're huge. And there's this big debate as to whether they were put there purposefully or not. And in my mind, there's no doubt. There's no doubt they were purposely put there, but for what purpose? Um, there's people that say it could have been in some kind of platform, and then, of course, the uh, ancient a- astronaut theory says that it was a spaceport. But either way, the wide-open space makes for the perfect place for a discrete base in the cave systems, with the mountains, the glaciers around. Um, Again, all these raw materials, natural resources, that's copper, lithium. um, And there's a lot of stories about what they're doing out there. In fact, one of these sightings that happened out there really makes people believe that there's something military going on. So... In uh, 2014, November 11th, 
Chilean Navy was running training exercises with a FLIR camera, which is forward-looking infrared, from a helicopter at around 4,500 feet when they saw a bizarre object moving through the sky at around the same altitude. For almost 10 minutes, they tracked the object when a strange vapor started coming out from it. The Chilean government released this footage in 2017, and a lot of UFO researchers compared the UFO in the video with the geoglyph in the Atacama Desert, and they think it looks almost identical right down to the vapor trail. Um. In fact, in the show Ancient Aliens, there's a UFO researcher named Travis Taylor who looked at the footage and um, he looked at it with an image analyst named Michael Bradbury. And they said that the object looks like... Now, in my opinion, when you go and look at which again, I'll put it in the show notes. So if you want to, go and look at it right now while we're talking about it. But what it looks like is it looks like they say... To me, it looks like a big black blob in the sky that could be fucking anything. But they say it looks like two diamond-shaped objects um, that was around 35 miles away, meaning that it was likely very large. They also say the object was hot and then instantly cold, that there was a different temperature bubble around it, which suggested some type of field. And they say all this, and they say that it adds credibility to the ancient astronaut theory. Now, here's what I argue. To me in the video, it looks like a black blob in the sky that could be anything. Kind of like a blurry so, blurry image of Sasquatch. <laughs> completely. And so, so, you know, of course they're going to say, you know, once again, you have people that are incentivized to want these things to be uh, aliens. They want them to be, you know, from outer space. They want them to be UFOs. They want them to be whatever. But it might not have been. It might have been some weird test sub, you know, object, some weird drone that was being flown from that area. Um, Very easily. I think it could have very easily. Uh, you know, I think... You know, make up your own minds, but to me, these videos that are coming out from the Pentagon, these videos that are coming out from, you know, the Chilean government, they're very circumstantial at best. I mean, even the gimbal and the Tic Tac videos that came out from the Pentagon from 2004, I mean, there's... If you believe that it's aliens, if you believe it's UFOs, of course, it's it's pretty stunning, but otherwise, it looks like nothing. It looks like, I mean, you can barely decipher what they're even doing in the video, how they're flying, which direction they're flying, which, what, the, what the, uh, the thing is doing. And then you just hear people in the background saying, oh, I've got it. Do you see that? Whoa, what's it doing? And then you have people that report back saying, oh, it, it was moving like this and it was moving like that. When in the video, it doesn't look like it's doing any of that. But Weird. because we can't decipher it, because we don't know and we weren't there, but now we're being told by government officials that here's what it was doing and we don't know what it was. Well, of course, they're going to say they don't. You know, what do they do? They disavow all the time. 
So, of course, they're going to say they don't know what it is. And then you have ancient alien guys going, well, we know what it is. It's aliens. So, yeah, I'm just, you know what I mean? Like, I'm hard-pressed to see it. And if you watch this video for yourself, it is, to me, it it shows nothing. I mean, to me, it it doesn't show alien at all. It doesn't show really anything to me whatsoever. The government shouldn't censor it. They should, like, just let us see it and then be like, no, mm-hmm. this is what we think, or this is what it is, or whatever. Yeah, of course, yeah. So then we're uh, now we're going to go back a little bit further in time. So there was a pretty big sighting in 1985, August 17th, around 4 p.m. in Santiago. Thousands of people, including journalists and reporters, saw a round metallic object hovering overhead. Um, so then the Chilean government, or yeah, I believe so, um, told the public it was actually a French weather balloon. See, there's the balloon. <laughs> um, some people bought that, but there was a lot of people that didn't. And rumors started circulating that it was a craft transporting a group of aliens from Friendship Island. Uh, now, Friendship Island is just some tiny little island that is supposed to be home to a group of tall, blonde aliens known as the Nordics. Now, according to most of these accounts, at some time in 1984, a guy named Octavio Ortiz was listening to an SOS call from a ship off Chile's south coast that is spotted a UFO. And although it isn't totally clear what happened, it seems from what Octavio could hear that several of the crew on the boat were badly burned. So he responded to the distress calls, talking to a guy calling himself Alberto, who claimed that a huge glowing object had been directly over his ship before it vanished with alarming speed only moments before the call. Alberto contacted Octavio again several days later and claimed that he was employed by several businessmen to carry out various smuggling missions from them, and that's what he was doing when he saw the bright uh, object out there. During one of these missions, he met a group of strange people on Friendship Island that took him to a futuristic underground facility where they requested his help in bringing them several items of of equipment from the mainland. He agreed and they fitted him with several unknown devices and pieces of equipment to his boat. And in May of 1985, Alberto and Octavio met one of these Friendship Island natives. And according to his account, all of the inhabitants of the secret facility had a specific area of knowledge or expertise and each of them could instantly access the thoughts and memories of a person when they met them. And apparently they wanted to take Octavio to their base and fix some kind of illness he had, but he told him no. Uh, so several months after that incident, when the huge UFO sighting happened in Santiago, where Octavio apparently lived, um, which that... I mean, what the fuck does that even mean? Any of that. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that could be that could be a whole lot of hearsay. Yeah. That's but there is a lot of people that believe that this friendship island is home to these Nordic people. But there is somebody who believes that it's a lot more of secret government shenanigans going on out there. So in a book by a guy named Victor Ferrarius named Chile, Hitler's Final Bunker, he claims that several prominent uh, politicians started receiving large amounts of money from the Bank of the Third Reich in return for an island off the southern coast of the country to use this island, at least officially, for a secret marine or submarine base. Um, there was a guy, Antonio Belcanto, who said he spent six years researching the Friendship Island encounters, and he claimed that in 1998, he saw a TV show where a crew were looking into the island doing their own investigation, and they found a yacht under the name Matillus II, that would arrive from time to time to pick, uh, either pick people up or drop them off. But there was little known about the crew or the owner of the boat other than they appeared to be foreign. When they searched the records of the harbor master's office, there was no record of any vessel under that name. Now, here's where it gets a little woo-woo. A little woo-woo. Apparently, <laughs> a little woo-woo. Apparently, the crew employed several members of the Chilean Navy and a patrol boat to travel to Friendship Island to see if they could uncover any more. But the weather turned bad enough to where they had to head back to the mainland. When they got back to the uh, the crew visiting, uh, oh, okay, hold on. When they got back to the island, the crew ended up visiting a mystic who told them that one of the Navy servicemen was one of these Friendship Island aliens and that they had altered the coordinates to put them off course to keep them from the island. Belcanto believes that the Chilean Navy is concealing the island and that there were no aliens on the island, only normal people, and he claimed that the U.S. is behind all of it. He also said that Friendship Island has been discreetly sold to the U.S. and is using it like another Area 51, and that's why there's so much UFO activity in the area and that stories of aliens had been allowed to build up to easily dismiss anything seen there. There was a lady, Zolia Zentano Rubio, claimed that in 1954, her father was transferred to an island by his German employers who needed him to do repairs on their farm equipment and stayed there for several years and managed to pick up a good amount of the German language while he worked there, essentially being able to listen to what his employers were saying without them realizing it. Um, he, uh, he finally returned home and he claimed that he had been asked to carry out repairs to strange machinery that he was unable to describe. Here's my problem. He spent three years learning the German language to understand what he was working on to come home to say it was strange machinery that he couldn't describe. Right. I don't get that. Like what? How did it help him to learn the language? It didn't. He just wanted to learn German. (laughs) (laughs) I guess. Uh, I think there's a lot easier ways. He said (laughs) that he was also taken to a strange place where a ceremony of sorts was performed. He described it as laying on of hands that lasted three days, at times 
Strange metallic plates were placed on his body. At the end of the three days, his chest, which was often heavy from smoking, caused him difficulty catching his breath, was like new. But he said he couldn't remember much about the experience other than he had returned aboard a very modern vessel. Um, he always maintained from then on that there was something not right about the island and that there was long periods of time where he had no memories or vague and broken memories of what he thought were doctors who described he described as a- angel-like entities. Okay. Mm. Yeah. What what define uh, angel-like though? What like yeah, white see, gown, white like, white gown wings, halo above their head? Yeah. I know, that's the thing is people love to give these descriptions angel-like when it's uh, what How many descriptions of angels match up? Right. You know, I mean, the angels in Revelation are trippy. Four heads, you know, um, super weird shit. So it's very, very odd. Uh, That's the whole thing about people and their religious beliefs and then attributing or kind of uh, attaching those to sightings. You know, like that's what I argue a lot of biblical stories are is potentially whether phenomena, natural phenomena that due to superstition and religious belief um, that people people attach that to mean something else. Right. Yep. And similar with with UFO sightings, you know, like when we've talked about um, the idea that people don't look in the sky and say, look, government cover up, you know, all these ones that that don't look magical, they just look mechanical, but they're super far advanced, I think those are government. Anything that looks magical, now we're talking. Now we're into something that we could potentially be from another dimension, another world, but it's it's not going to look anything like what you think it's going to look like. It's going to be, it's going to look like magic. In fact, it's going to be hard to even comprehend it's there. You know, when you look at when people see something that's so foreign to them, have you ever heard about this? People that see something that's so foreign to them, they can barely even see it. Oh, really? I know. I've never yes. heard about that. Yeah. So there's this whole thing where our brains are designed to block out trauma, right? Yeah. Well, if there's this whole idea that if you see something that is so disturbing to you or shatters your your perception of reality so much that our brains might just block it out. That's crazy. So you wouldn't even remember seeing it or you wouldn't even see it. It would be like it wasn't even there. And so that's where, you know, when you uh, put all that into there, I just think the idea that we might see aliens, I think, man, when you take all that into account, you know, about how our brains work and how really primitive we actually are, yeah. Uh you know, I think we're I think we we're very very in danger of even missing it. Of missing it entirely, not even seeing it. Because it's so foreign to us. It's so foreign to what we could possibly imagine aliens actually looking like that that it would it just our brains would totally blank it out. Wouldn't that be a bummer? It would. That's why I was yeah, I was- it would. It would. That'd be a real bummer. Yeah, because you, you grow from that shit. 
Yeah, exactly. Yep. And there's, you know, there's a lot of countries around the world that you could consider hotspots. You know, we've talked about um, in the U.S., we've talked about Colorado and Arizona being hotspots. What makes places like Chile different is the combination of the multiple sightings in modern times along with the long history of legends. You have the, you know, the lines going through there. Yeah. The, you know. And then you have the aspect that it is, you know, has a lot of raw materials and it's much uninhabited. So the question is, is it aliens or is it us or is it something else entirely? What could it be? Is it something that we're not even thinking of? You know, I mean, it's hard to think, well, it's either them or us. You know, it's either aliens or humans. Yeah, but, but it's man, what else could it be? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, but, you know, all kinds of weird things, man. I just think it's very easy, you know, you take into account the people like Graham Hancock that talk about uh, there could have been many advanced civilizations before us that were wiped out by these uh, big, huge um, extinction events. You know, there could have been like seven different civilizations before us. And, uh, and we're still trying to figure out what those things mean, those remnants of these old civilizations. You know, maybe they were in contact with aliens. You know, maybe con- maybe aliens are trying to contact us. Maybe they are. Maybe I'm just too maybe, skeptical. Maybe they don't think we need a, a, another boost yet. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, we're kind of, you know, as a species goes, we're kind of immature They're probably, when it comes to when we get our hands on stuff. Yeah. They're we, prob- don't, they're, we don't tend to do the, the right things. They're probably on the fence about us at the moment. Well, the problem is, is our leaders. <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah. Our well, our leaders, the people that uh have enslaved us. Yes. You know, that's that's the problem is it's you know, if you gave the average person the power of the government, do you think do you think the average person would use it again the way that the the governments use it or do you think that they would do good things? Probably some people would, but of course. Those people are the ones that have it right now. Right. Then some people wouldn't as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's just interesting human nature, you know, and how do we, how do we get uh, beyond that? You know, this whole theory of um, this idea that, that humans need to become more enlightened or the aliens won't allow us to ascend, you know, that's, it's going to be hard if we can't get our shit together as a collective. Right. You know, it's going to be a a real shame. But uh, as always, the biggest question I have is what do you all think? I want to know. Do you think it's aliens? Do you think it's us? Do you think it's a combination of? Do you think it's interdimensional beings that are popping in and out? What do you think it is? 
Um, do you think ancient aliens or the ancient astronaut theory has it all right? Well, what do you think, huh? What do you think, people? I think it has some of it right, but not all. Yeah. Of it. Not, no, I don't think anybody's got it all right, but. Um, if you have stories, experiences, you just want to reach out, you want to say, Hey, you can email, which is also in the show notes. Click that one link. It'll take you to everything where you can email and all of it. Um, but for those people, my people, Oh, it's not doing it. Hold on. There it is for my people, the UFO, no army. I want you in the ranks. So go and donate now. Patreon.com. My OG supporter. My first army member. Designer tinfoil hat wearing Aaron Rice. Thank you, lady. Always for the support. Means a lot. Thank you so much. Of course, now Casey Armadillo. First merch buyer. Now member of the UFO No Army. Michael Benavides. Michael Ralston, and we got a new one, y'all. Jesse. I'm not sure if it's just Jesse, but there's a Y in there, and so I'm going to say Jesse. Uh, Jesse, welcome to the UFO No Army. You too can be part of the UFO No Army at patreon.com, where we're going to be releasing a new episode each week just for the members. I'm going to be adding a whole bunch of new stuff, bonus content coming soon, all ad free, just for you guys. Any donation means the world to me. Go and do it now. Now for my general shout-outs, check out the Black Coast Killer Band, guys. You got to go and check these guys out. And their, uh, I believe it's their merch brand, Wet Wired. Uh, thanks for all the shout-outs, guys. It means a lot. And then, of course, Bob Sowen on YouTube commenting every single episode. Dude, thanks a lot, man. Uh, Casey Leesky, good friend, friend of the show, always says, hey, check us out. It means the world to us. Thank you so much. And everyone who has bought merch, you can go and tag UFO No Podcast with your sweet-ass gear. Help us build a portfolio of fans. Uh, that's what I want to do. I want to see the love from you all and give the love back to you all. Um, if you want to get a shout-out, just let me know you listen to the show or donate. It is that simple. Ed? Yep. Thanks for coming on the show, buddy. Let the You're people welcome. know where they can find you. Uh, you guys can find me at Linktree Red Tide Studios. Uh, Linktree Red Tide Studios. Yes, I have a new podcast coming out here soon. It's going to be good. Strange, what is it, Strange Circumstances? Yes. Yeah. Oh, man, it's going to be good, man. I'm excited. I had a little sneak peek into uh, what you're doing, and I dig it. Yeah. It's gonna I'm be digging good. it hard. It's going to be good. Yeah, I'm excited, man. Uh, so check out Ed Linktree at Red Tide Studios. You can follow me, uh, Ben Austin, everywhere. You can follow the show, UFO No Podcast, everywhere. Again, share, like, um, donate. All these things help. Go buy merch. All those things help. Uh, but otherwise, I want to thank you all for joining us on another episode. But as for us, that is it. And as always, I'm going to tell you, keep your eyes to the skies. And remember, watch out for the government. They're shiesty bastards. 